Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. Whatever you've got, either a paper copy or on your smartphone or something, turn to Acts chapter 10, and we're going to be in verse 34 here in just a little bit. <clears throat> as you're turning there, let me pray over us as we prepare our hearts to hear God's Word this morning. Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we turn our attention now to Your revealed words to us. We recognize that these words that we're about to read are not just written by man, but are actually words written from You through man and revealing Yourself to us. So God, would You grace each of us with Your Spirit so that we would be able to understand what You say in it, and then that we would be empowered to live it out, to trust it, to believe it. Pray that You would guide my words and speak to Your people now. We pray all these things in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Despite popular opinion, I have always enjoyed sports, and I think I'm fairly decent at them. That one got even more laughs. That's hateful. Um, I do. It, it's true. I really do enjoy sports, and uh, I think I can hold my, eye, uh, my own in them. Um, it's, that, it's that competitive side in me. Anyone know? Anyone rep, kind of? Associate with me in that, just the competitive nature. I, that, that's what, it's hard for me to turn down um, competition when someone says, like, hey, I bet I can beat you in. I, I kind of have to, right? And, but this has never carried over into me enjoying watching sports, watching other people compete with one another. It's just never carried over into that. I've never had an interest in that. It doesn't matter how good, I know I might get tomatoes thrown at me. It doesn't matter how good the Chiefs may be in a given year. I don't know. You can say something's broken in me, I guess, but I have little concern to watch them, ever. But I know that to fit in socially, yeah, you kind of have to, you have to, to some extent. Chiefs fans in here? Yeah. All right. I thought so. So I'll occasionally watch Chiefs games with people, and um, when I do, I've learned that there are certain phrases that make it seem like I'm paying attention, and I really care what's happening, even though it's almost certain I have no interest at all, and I haven't been paying attention <laughs> at all. Um, give you a couple examples. When we've got the ball, okay, and I know that. You can see on the screen, we've got the ball. I'll just like throw in there every once in a while just to really let people know I'm, I, I care. So we got the ball and I say, we've got to establish our run game. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you know. I don't care at all. But it, I'll give you another example. When people are upset, okay, I can just noticeably tell my company is upset. They're agitated. I just yell out there, come on. 
you had one job, you know, and I don't even know what, but I know that, that counts. And they're like, man, Isaac's into this. Isaac cares. Give you one more. And I found that this one, I can say it just about any time. Doesn't really matter what's happening on the field. But if I want people to think, you know, I'm, I'm in the crowd, right, I'll just say something like, Roger Goodall is ruining the league. And people are like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, don't you think? And I can't go beyond the conversation beyond that. But I say that, and people automatically feel like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, that might be comical. You know, it's sports. What's tragic is when we realize that that's actually a a fair description of how some Christians are with their faith. Socially. Right? That now becomes tragic. Many would claim Christian, but they'd wear that name tag. But more just for the sake of being a part of the social norm. Unless because it's their passion. It's easy to do in that when we live in a Christian nation, right? You fit in when you wear that name badge. But it's more for the social atmosphere of fitting in and less because of it's a passion. And I don't know, maybe I'm describing someone that you know, or maybe you yourself. I'm not sure. Maybe I could guess grew up in church, possibly. Maybe got baptized, maybe prayed a prayer at one time or another, and you're a good Sunday school student. You say the right answers. You just blurt out Jesus sometimes, and you're usually right, right? So we know the things to say. We know the cadences. That's about the extent of it, maybe. Such a person personally knows they're honest with themselves, that if you get much beyond that, they're very foggy on the mechanics of the gospel. It's the good news about Jesus, by the way, the, the, the gospel. Questions like, why did Jesus need to die? I can say that he came to die for my sins, that don't, but don't bring me beyond that question, right? Why did he? Uh, I'm going to bow out of the conversation at that point. Or, What was the big deal about Easter? How does Jesus' death back then, 2,000 years ago, impact us now in 2023? And what, if anything, does it have to do with my life and how I live today? And I'm not, and I just want to say, I'm not suggesting that we are all, that we all need to be experts. I'm certainly not. But, but enthusiasts, there's a difference. I'm not suggesting all Christians need to be experts, no, but all Christians need, need to be enthusiastic about Jesus in their life. I'm not saying we all need to be Bible scholars, I'm certainly not. But Bible lovers in love with our Word, in love with the truth that it says. That's what a Christian is. In Acts chapter 10, we see a man named Cornelius. Good Roman name. Cornelius 
feared God, it said, in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 10. If you're there, you can see. Verses 1 and 2, it said there was a man named Cornelius. He feared God, and he even raised his family to fear God. This concept of God. He was a God-fearing man. But he didn't know the basics of the gospel, which are essential for true salvation. And so God sent to Cornelius another man named Peter to explain this good news to him. So my goal, very simply and briefly today, is that firstly, I would speak Peter's words to Cornelius. That I would just really, I'm going to walk through what Peter says to Cornelius word for word and Basically speak what he explains to him so that if anyone in here is like Cornelius, that you would hear, then that you would know, that you would appreciate and ultimately respond to that message of the good news about Jesus Christ. Not just being a Christian by name tag, but a Christian by heart, a Christian by passion, a Christian. And so, if you're there, Acts chapter 10, I'm going to be starting in verses, uh, verse 34 here in just a minute. But first, Peter explains to Cornelius two things. Okay, If you're a note taker, this is me just helping you out. Peter explains to Cornelius, firstly, the basics of the good news about Jesus. The basics about, of the good news about Jesus. And then after that, he explains the mechanics of the good news about Jesus. First, the basics. Let me read verses 34 through 36. It says, So Peter opened his mouth and he said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality or no favorites. But in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. As for the word that He sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace, good news of peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. Let me pause there. Peter explains to Cornelius, firstly, the basics of the good news about Jesus Christ. The basics. And, and which really is, firstly, there's bad news. That's the start. You've got to have bad news to have good news. You've got to have really bad news to have really good news. So let's start with the bad news, which is really bad news. It's in verse 34. It doesn't look like it when you just read it. Verse 34 says that, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. That's the bad news, guys. That's the bad news. God shows no favorites, so that means you're not lucky enough to be ahead of everyone else automatically. Even playing field. All at the same place before God. And that's bad news because, it, firstly, it doesn't matter when it comes to sinners. That's you and I. It doesn't matter if you're white or black doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. doesn't matter if you're straight or gay. doesn't matter if you're man or woman. All of us are sinners before God. At that point, there's a starting point and there's no partiality. 
We all, all, all have committed sin. Romans 3 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And not only have we all sinned, but actually, can I just say something about you that the Bible says about you? You are evil by nature. Not only do we do sin, but sinful is what we are. We see that in Romans chapter 6. Sorry, Ephesians 2. I'm going to get to Romans 6 in a minute. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the minds, and were by nature children of wrath. Like the rest of mankind. It's universal. Sin isn't just what we do, it's who we are, and so therefore we are all deserving of God's punishment for what all of us do and what all of us are. Romans chapter 6 says, For the wages of sin, which all of us do and all of us are, wages of sin, the payment we get, the paycheck for it, is death. And now, some of you might say, well, hold on. You can't lump me with so-and-so. I'm not like them. Actually, I'm fairly decent. And you start to play the denial game. I don't know if that's you. If it is, uh, I, I know whenever Sarah and I started dating, um, we really early on, I wanted to do a bonfire on the backyard. And so it's like, all right. It's like on a whim, you know, because... 15-year-old guys don't plan dates. We just like on the spot think of them. And so I was like, hey, bonfire. We're going to do it. And um, she's like, okay. I was like, well, what I need, sticks, <laughs> um, a lighter. I need everything because I haven't planned anything. And so I was like, okay, gasoline. And we went to the very back of the land. I'm like, all right, here we go. That's what I need. I'm going to douse it with gasoline. And um, I was like, I can't carry this five-gallon jug to the back of the property, so um, I need something to put it in. Okay, and so I'm looking around. Route 44 cup, perfect. And so I went and grabbed that, and it's one of those big styrofoam ones, you know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, awesome, okay, Sarah, you hold it, and I'm going to pour this into it, and as soon as I do, just gasoline just goes everywhere. And before I realized what happened, I'm, I'm playing the blame game, you know, because gasoline's all over. My dad's going to be mad at someone better be my girlfriend. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, but I'm like, that wasn't me. When, hold the cup. You dropped the cup. Hold it tighter. And um, it took a minute for her to explain to me and then convince me that styrofoam melts upon impact of gasoline. And so it completely disintegrated in her hands um, as soon as I poured it in the cup. And But I'm just like denying it. I'm like, absolutely not. I have to find that cup somewhere. Surely it didn't. It's not my fault. And maybe that's you when it comes to your stance before God, just absolutely in denial. It wasn't me. I don't, not me, not me. Reality is, is it, it is true for all of us. We are all sinners. We don't only do sin, but we are sinners by nature. And therefore, the wages of sin for everybody is death. So I hate to pop your bubble, but Jesus even makes it more clear when he says, you have nothing impressive to bring before God of yourself. Revelation 3, he says that you are poor, naked, and blind in describing how you approach God. You've got nothing to give him. You're like, wow, Isaac, Easter, that's great. Thank you for that encouragement. 
You've got to have the bad news for the good news. That's the bad news. God shows no partiality, and that's where we all stand right now. But, but Peter also shares with Cornelius the good news, knowing the bad news. And that's verses 35 and 36. He says, But in every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to him. Now let me just pause firstly here. Three things about the good news. Who it's for, what it is, and how it's achieved. Just in these two verses. Who's it for? Anyone. Anyone who fears him. God saves people from all races, from all nationalities, from all political persuasions, from all sexual orientations, from all peoples. Cornelius, he wasn't Jewish. He was a Roman. See that in verses 1 and 2. So from his understanding up to this point, his relationship with Yahweh, the God of the Jews, impossible. Not going to happen. And so he needed to hear Cornelius, even you. Yeah, even you. He needed to hear anyone. So I don't know everyone in this room, but maybe you need to hear that Anyone, anyone can receive the gospel. Do you need to hear that given your history, given your present, not even just your history, your present reality, given your secrets, because I know you've got them, do you need to hear the word anyone today? Because it's true. It's true. Anyone Anyone who begins to fear God in place of loving their sin will find the free gift of salvation. That's who it's for. Now, what is the good news? Well, he says very clearly in verse 36, as for the word that he sent to Israel preaching good news of peace. That's what it is. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Peace. And you may think, no, thanks, but no thanks, I'm good. Life's already fairly peaceful for me. Or maybe you'd say it's chaotic, but there's no changing it. Truth is that, can I tell you? We are all naturally enemies of God. A theologian, R.C. Sproul, said that sin, that's the bad things we do that God doesn't want us to do. He said sin is cosmic treason because ultimately we are to be underneath his jurisdiction and when we don't do what he wants us to do, it's cosmic treason. It's cosmic treason. So the good news of the Bible is that the white flag can be waved. Peace to the war between you and God who is Lord of all. That white flag can be waved. Romans 5.1 even says, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So hear that. That's the good news, that we're no longer enemies of God, but we're brought into the family of God as children. And if children, heirs. Heirs to an inheritance of glories that we can't even imagine. That's the good news. How it's achieved through one individual, Jesus Christ. Not, despite popular opinion, this is not achieved by God ignoring it. Just because He's that nice, just ignore it. Or overlook it, sweep it under the carpet. 
The good news is not achieved by you turning your life around and getting clean. Quitting what you're doing cold turkey. God wants you to turn your life around through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way you can do it. But that's not how you would achieve the good news of knowing God and having peace with Him. That's only achieved through one man doing one act for a multitude of sins. Jesus Christ. That's the basic that's the basics of the good news about Jesus. And Cornelius, I think he knew, he had already heard a lot of what Peter had said up to this point. Verse 37 even says, if you just keep following along, we're just going to keep marching through it. Verse 37 says, you yourselves, Peter's talking to Cornelius, you yourselves know what happened throughout all of Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. He says, yeah, I know, you've already heard about this person, Jesus. But even still, Peter goes over it all anyway. And maybe that's you today. Can I just pause? And maybe you've already heard this. You yourselves know what happened. This guy named Jesus. You're like, yeah, that's me. I've already heard it. And yet Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, felt the need to say it again. You know, for me, I've heard it a million times. I've preached it hundreds and hundreds of times, and yet I need to hear it every single day because there's so many days where I wake up forgetting it and not trusting it, not believing it, because I know how horrible of a person Isaac is. So I can preach it hundreds of times, hear it thousands of times, and yet need to hear it again. And I think that's true for you. And so Peter then, after giving the basics of the good news, he gives the components or the mechanics of the good news about Jesus. That's verses 38 through 41. You've already heard this. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth from the, with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of Judea, or sorry, in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross or on the tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Pause there. You see the three components? There's three components to the the good news about Jesus. Three essential components. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You see all three of them? That He was empowered by the Holy Spirit, doing good deeds. God was with Him. And Peter and the rest of the disciples were able to testify of what He was doing. That's the life. End of verse 39. It says that they hung him on a tree to die. That's the death. In verses 40 and 41, God raised him on the third day and made him appear. That's the resurrection. And all three of these are essential to your salvation. You should hear that. It's not just the death that's important. You see, the life, we'll start with the life. The perfect life that Christ lived is amazing. It's necessary for our salvation. It's impossible for anyone to replicate. No one can do it. Only Christ can live the life that He lived. But hear me. 
it would have zero effect on your life. You wouldn't even probably know who he was had he not died. The perfect life that God lived with in human form means nothing without the death that he died for our sins. But the life was essential for it to be a perfect sacrifice. But the life needed the death. And similarly, his death would not have been successful had it not been for the resurrection. The resurrection sealed the deal. The resurrection proved that the mission was successful. That death was conquered. That life after death was made possible. These are the three components of the good news about Jesus. And again, guys, maybe you've heard that before. Maybe you've heard that before. But that is when we can be like I was, or am, not was, like I am with the chiefs. I've heard it before, I know, and I can recite it. Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose again. Be careful because you could be a lot like I am with the chiefs. You know just enough to say it, but you have no interest in what you're saying. Do you know the last census that went around the United States in 2020? 210 million people, 210 million affirmed the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, claiming Christianity. Sadly, can I be a realist with you? Sadly, I think Jesus, for many of those that took that survey, for the 210 million, for many of them, Jesus is no more than an afterthought in their day. A ticket into heaven because they really just want that instead of Him. So they'll affirm the life, death, resurrection and slap the badge on their, short, on their shirt. Christ's story is not only meant to be heard by you. Christ's story is meant to transform you. It's meant to shape you. It's meant to be the sun which your life revolves around. It's meant to be everything that grounds you in this life. That is what is meant to be. Not just heard and recited in a Christian nation where it's socially acceptable just to be a Christian so we are. His death is our salvation and His death is meant to shape our lives that we would die with Him every day to ourselves. That we would die to our selfish desires. That I would die to my greed. That I would die to my hate. That I would die to my lusts. To my cravings. That's how Jesus' life shapes His followers. And not only would His death shape our dying to self, but His life should shape our new life in Him every day. That His life should shape our new life in our finances and how we deal with our finances. Yes, Christ rules over that. Our new life should be demonstrated in how we act in our marriages, in our dating, in our sexual lives, in our language. Go on and on and on. It's meant to 
affect our life and shape it. And this needs to, hear by, needs to be heard by everybody. It needs to be heard by everybody. Everyone needs to hear the bad news. It's true. Not because I'm a bad guy. Or You need to hear the bad news. That Jesus will bring judgment to sinners. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a fable. It's not something that just helps us go to sleep at night because we're worried about what happens after I die. So we just make it up. It's not into that. This is real. It's true. And it will happen. In verse 42, Peter says that to Cornelius. Peter says, and he commanded us to preach to the people. That's why I'm doing it. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to what? Judge. To be judge. It's the bad news. We have to have everyone hear that. He was appointed by God to be judge over the living and the dead. The good news is only really good news because the bad news is really bad news. And I'll just say it straight to you. Please hear this. Please hear this. The bad news still applies to you if you don't live with Jesus as your Lord over your life. Reciting Sunday school answers is not God's idea for you, and so that's not my idea for you. But everyone not only needs to hear the bad news, everyone needs to hear the good news that Jesus also brings not only judgment, but he brings forgiveness for sinners. That's verse 43. We're just marching through. To him, all the prophets bear witness. That's the Bible that we hold. All the prophets bear witness to everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness. It's not just universal. Do you notice? It's forgiveness for those who believe in him, live according to. They receive forgiveness of sins through his name. Can I just tell you, that's the best part of my job is to be able to tell people that my best part of my day, my week, seriously, is looking out, seeing your eyeballs, and telling you about the forgiveness that God offers you. Because once you receive that forgiveness, you're able to live in that forgiveness. And I think a lot of you need to live in forgiveness. Once you receive it, once it's yours, you can live in it. No longer have to live with the sexual shame of whatever is in your past or present. No no longer have to live with the guilt of that mistake, whatever it was, whatever it is. That thing that haunts you. Or maybe even right now as I'm talking about it, it's on your mind, it puts a pit in your stomach. You know what I'm talking about? We receive through Christ, those who believe in Him, forgiveness. And once you receive forgiveness, you can live in that forgiveness. He's letting it go. And the psalmist says that for that person, your sins are as far from the east to the west from you in God's eyes. He doesn't see you as a sinner. He sees you as a child. He loves you. That's the good news. So, if you're walking with Jesus today, 
It hasn't stopped being good news, though you've already heard it, though you've already received it, though you're already living in it. It hasn't stopped being good news for you, has it? Just on, fr- on Good Friday, I don't know if you were here for our service, but just on Good Friday, it's amazing, it just encouraged me. We're singing songs that we've sung a bunch before. And I'm talking about things I've talked about every single week. Nothing new. The gospel's not new. And yet, I loved it. My wife was just crying. Because the good news is still good news. It's still good news for me today. It's good news for me tomorrow. And when I wake up in three days, it's good news for me. That might be because she was pregnant, so maybe that's it. But, but it's also because it's good news. But if you're like Cornelius today, and I'm assuming there may be some, I don't know, that you don't personally know the God of the Bible, my hope is that the Holy Spirit would do a work in your life today just like He did in Cornelius' life. That's the last verse. Peter just finished talking, and what happened? Verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. I hope that happens for you today. So many think that this will happen when really weird and strange ways. You're like, I don't know about all that. I don't know. Or you might speak in tongues or prophesy or something. And that's what happened for Cornelius. But for you, it may be feeling conviction of your sin. Sensing a need to give your life to Christ. To live like He is Lord, not just say that He is Lord. Let me tell you, that's the Holy Spirit working in your life. It is. It's not weird. It's not strange. It's supernatural. And it's good news. If that's the case for you and you do feel led to give your life to Christ, to change your life, to live like He's Lord today for every day to come, to receive that forgiveness so you can live in that forgiveness, to have your sins pardoned, and His death applied to your life, if that's you, I'd love to talk to you first of all. Shake your hand and hug you and cheer you on. Pray with you. There will be people up in the front here in just a minute that you can talk with or you can talk to me. But I encourage you, talk to somebody if that's you. You can walk up during the song. That's a natural time to walk up and, and do that. But I encourage you, don't leave today without being fully alive in Christ and what He did on the cross for you. Let me pray for us. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com. 